on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame how I love that old cross where the deep stand best for a world of lost sin of worst So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies and Lay down, down, down. I will cling to the old rugged cross, and it change it someday for a crown. I'll change it some. For a crime. Meadowbrook, can you keep a secret? Don't, don't fool me now. I'm looking around this crowd. I'm eyeballing you. Not mean mugging, just eyeballing. I'm talking about one of those fat, juicy, say what? kind of secrets. Can you? I want you to let that sink in as you ponder and consider. Or do you buy pants without pockets? Because you know. Any juicy morsel of information will burn a hole right through your garment if it was placed in your lap. Secrets. Secrets. Too hot to handle. Too much to hold. Secrets. Here's what you need to know. If you've got a bulletin near you or you've been handed one, on the back is script. It's information about what we're going to share. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I told you. Then I'm going to tell you I told you what I told you. Because that's good preaching. That's good hermeneutic with your homiletic. And on that, you can take it with you and assess if you have applied what you heard. But here's what you need to know. Secrets are hard to keep. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Difficult. Someone in the room, if you'll be honest with me by a show of hands, how many, if you are told something juicy, would have to tell two or three more people before it got out of your ear gate? Yeah, as soon as it gets there. Ooh. Here's why I say it, because I've been in a staff meeting or two. I got one of our former elders in the midst in are Shane Roberts, who will let you know. I've been in some secretive meeting times, and I've shared, don't tell a soul. This is between you, me, God, and the walls. And before it came out of my mouth, folk were in their pocket texting and tweeting the same stuff I said, don't tell nobody. Secrets. Hard to keep. That's what you need to know. But here's why you need to know it. 
you've got to understand that something's going to be shared with you that cannot be kept under wraps. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. 12 verses. I got to let you see it because it's the best kept secret in town. Hard to keep, but a lot of us do it so, so well. I want you to know I'm not making any of this up. It's coming from what thus saith the Lord. And in Luke 24, 12 verses, says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this. Suddenly, two men clothed in dazzling array. They stepped to the women who were terrified and who bowed down to the ground. And they were asked, these women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when you were still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. And then it came back to their recollection. They remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, these women reported all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Turn to your neighbor and say, it takes a woman <laughs> to share some stuff. That's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not making it up. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. It's right here. Verse 10. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to the men, and they did not believe the women. Touch your up neighbor and say, it takes a man to miss the message that's supposed to be given. I'm still in Scripture. It says, the women were considered as nonsense speakers, verse 12. But Peter didn't want to hear it by happenstance. Peter wouldn't take it at second hand. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in for himself, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went home amazed at what had happened. Now, you thought that was a phrase that is current and contemporary in 2016, but it's here in the pages of the Holy Word, New Testament style, what had happened was the best kept secret in town. I found it. I can't keep it because this message should never be secreted. This message should be ablaze all around the neighborhood, over the hills and everywhere. This message should not be kept to yourself. And here it is. I can't hold it. I can't keep it. I might get a little loud because I just get excited when I got some stuff that I'm probably not going to see happen if I tell it to you. But I'm going to tell you. He got up! <laughs> I had to let that out. It's the best kept secret in town, I found it in the pages of the Word of God. He got up from the grave. How can it be? As you heard this precious woman sing to us, here's how he got up from the grave to get up in you. Did he? I'm looking, trying to see somebody guilty as charged for the risen Savior being evident in every move you make and every step that you take. He got up. That's what you need to know. It's a secret. That's the best kept secret in town. But here's why you need to know it. If you're tracking with me, here's the stuff that shouldn't be kept secret. You need to know this because it's the fulfillment of prophecy. Shout prophecy. That is the son of man. 
Jesus the Christ, born of a virgin, in the likeness of man, humble himself to death, even on an old rugged cross, wounded for transgressions that are yours and mine, bruised for iniquities, yours and mine, chastisement that brings us peace was upon him. This Jesus, the crucified one, and the one that God sent as his only begotten, came for us, but didn't just come, died on our behalf, and didn't just die. He promised us something. Three days later, he got up from the grave, all power in heaven and earth in his hands. What does that mean to us? That means that he didn't get up empty-handed. He didn't just happen to arise. It wasn't an accidental wow factor. He got up all power in heaven and earth in his hands. And I need to inquire, looking around this room, is there power evidence in you because he's risen the siren even went out outside just to let us know God is serious he wants us to pay attention and he got up from the grave and, and it's a living Lord who rose as gospel good news it's prophetic what does that mean living he loved us that is gospel good news it shows me that he causes blinded eyes to be opened Dying, he saved us to cause those who are lame to walk. And rising, he justified to set us free, cleansing us forever. And one day, he promises something. He's coming back. Are you excited? Am I the only one? I brought my own amens. Preach, my amen. Glorious! Glorious. He got up from the grave. One died for all, if you're writing so that all could live for one. Did you write that? Some of y'all didn't write. You memorized it all. You didn't even bring your Bible because you memorized it all. I understand. But what I see in the passage of Scripture is that this is not just gospel good news. I said it last Sunday. Let me say it this Sunday. It's Tony the Tiger. Great news. He got up from the grave. Why are you so excited? Because you got excited over Alabama and Auburn. Some folk didn't make it today because one of those teams didn't make it in the game. Oh, come on now. Y'all know some people in the fetal position with their thumb in their mouth, mad. <laughs> we got some Auburn fans. I ain't going to point them out in the section. But the word of God shows us that he has come, Jesus, to live, not just to live, but to die, not just to die, but to announce our plague is over. Whatever was wrong with us doesn't define us. He nailed it to the cross. Oh, that should have been exciting for two people. He took care of what has plagued us, and in dying on our behalf, the death we should have died, he went into a borrowed tomb. Did I say it was borrowed? A borrowed tomb. You know what that means? He didn't go there to stay. He went and snatched the keys of Hades in order to give us the keys to the kingdom, and in so doing, he came to give us liberty, and he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. Will you be ready? What if it's today? What if he cracked open the ceiling right now and said, come out, come out, wherever you are? Would you say, go back, go back, I ain't ready? Or would you say, hallelujah, thine the glory, snatch me from this plaguing life that has caused me to be paralyzed and choked with oppression? Some of you are doing well. You're doing good, but good is the enemy of great. And the great I am has come for a people who would be his bride. He got up 
and he got up to come back. Listen, you and I both know that you'll tell everybody else's business. So why aren't you telling the good news? Y'all know some folk that gossip. Don't look at them. Blink at me if they on your roll. If you know <laughs> people that can't keep nothing. You see that they're here. Just blink. I'm look, I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Since we gon' gossip, what, what if we gossip the gospel? Think about it. Things that make you go, hmm. If all 250 of us got in our vehicular mobiles and went down to the nearest Walmart, and on the count of three, we said together, one, two, three, he's coming back, and then all of us walked out. <laughs> Can you imagine what would happen in that moment? People in baskets that heard 250 plus people say somebody was coming would have to ask, who? No, 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 don't, don't mess with the 250 people just said somebody's coming. I need to know who it is because it must be somebody of merit and importance. If all of them cray-cray people made an announcement over the loudspeaker that somebody's coming back, are you guilty? The word of God shows me he got up. And it is worthy of announcing, not just in a Sunday session, but in our pilgrimage, everywhere our feet may trod. The word of the Lord is saying to us that we've got a message that is of hope. His bride, he's coming back for washed in a raiment and covered by the blood and presented majestic in beauty is who we ought to get all inspired and excited about every time the doors of the church are open. We ought to be at the front of this sanctuary just ready to see the bride. You ever been to a wedding? When the bride comes down the aisle, Annie, here's the deal. The whole crowd all rise and it is, oh, look at her. She is so good. We don't do that at church for the bride. God wants us to come to church awestruck by the beauty and the majesty of his dominion, his power, his glory over the ecclesia, which is transliterated the freed people. Folk that got grinning rights, that they've been set free by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You know what we do instead? We come to church and point flame. Look at her. Her flip-flops don't even match her skirt. Look, third row, second seat. Some of y'all looking, which row? Right now, y'all see? Repent. You ought to come to the altar right now. You tell, Which one? Which flip-flop? We have an agenda. When we show up to church, we put scarlet letters on people. You ever been to that service and the music stopped and the spotlight turned and you feel like the preacher got in your Kool-Aid telling you your flavor? You feel like you've been called out and you don't feel comfortable any longer? A D for divorce on your brow? An A for alcoholism. You just feel these stings and fiery darts. An H for hoochie mama. I don't know what the label people put on you, but the struggle is real. And so you're called to understand that God is looking for a church that is without spot or blemish. And we ought to be a people who are not labeling each other, but we're pointing each other to the righteous redeemer. So here's the thing. We are busy telling people about Mary Kay and Advocare instead of Messiah and Christ care. Oh, I've been around some folk, preacher, if you just give me the church roster. I got a deal that's too good to be true. You know, it's a pyramid and you're at the top. And then if you had to, I'm like, really? Can I give you a roster? And you tell all those same people about Jesus, 
and watch how the best deal in town is no longer the secret that's too good to be true. He got up and he wants us to elevate his name because he said if we seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, check it out, Meadowview, Meadowbrook, everything else you need will be added unto you. We'll pass out a card for a beautician in a heartbeat and walk away. Hey, you need to go see her today. And then we'll walk away from the people and then, huh? No, for real. We'll pass out a card to our personal trainer, won't we? <laughs> you need all of his attention. Give him a shout. But when we come to the great physician, when we come to the life-transforming power of God, when we come to the one who does open-heart surgery, he is calling us to showcase that confessing our sins, plural, to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody need a do-over? Because you know your life, if you were to be called out, would showcase that things are not the way they should be. Anybody know some sinners? Come on now. You know all of us have been born in iniquity. We've been birthed in sin. And the reason why I know is because we're naughty by nature. And I understand that because your leadership and pastor has given me some evidence of y'all. In... No, I don't have any stuff. <laughs> oh, fuck. Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, I saw y'all get nervous. I have no evidence, but God does. He knows what you did last summer. And he didn't crispy fry you. Should have been dead and gone, but he got up to give you a new opportunity, a fresh start. And today is the first day of the rest of your life to look up and live. I'm so excited about that because when we confess sins one to another like we should today, we announce I'm a sinner who's lost in need of deliverance, desperate in need of direction. I can't talk about y'all without talking about Mike Satterfield. Well, teachers, preacher, I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from a peaceful sh- Very deeply stained with it, sinking to rise no more. But I looked at Luke 24, 1 through 2. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and in my sinking state from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. What did it, preacher? It wasn't you. I called you, and you screened my call. But love lifted, he got up to lift me up. Love lifted me. My mama then wouldn't answer the call. And she said she loved me even though I have a face for radio. Y'all know my mama? She's like, oh, not today though. Boy, you got a problem. When nothing else would help, it was love that lifted me. So what do we do with what we need to know and the why we need to know it? It's prophetic. That's why we need to know it. Secrets are hard to keep. That's what we need to know. But the truth is, he got up. What do we do with that? Seriously. What do we do with that? Literally. What do we do with that? Practically. This is not a spiritual exercise of entertainment. I'm not here to wow you and impress you. I'm here to preach the word of the living God. Not a message about God, but a message from God. And he wants you to understand through this vessel and conduit, seriously, literally, practically, put this to work today that you have access to the best-kept secret in town about the greatest subject on earth, and that is the lover of our souls, the lifter of our heads, the lamb that takes away the sins of all the world. Isn't that powerful? That the ground is level at the foot of the cross? That everybody is able to approach? 
that today, though you will resist and white knuckle, brown knuckle, beige knuckle, the back of a chair, and if you're on the front row, you'll say, talk to the hand because you're not trying to respond like you ought to. He's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest for a change. I know you're at a crossroads. I know you're going through a dilemma. I know there are things that go bump in your night. I know that you're plagued by where do I go next and what's on the horizon and why has my offspring not done what they were supposed to do and why is my marriage frazzled and full of strife? I just had that conversation last night with a couple that went to dinner with me and at the table they put on their best show. They had the mask on, and they were all Google-eyed, and I love you. I love you, too. Can I cut up your food? Yes, if you'll feed me. I mean, it was that I, 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 I was sitting across from them just, for real, y'all, for real. Really? They all pookie-wookie-wookie-wookie-doo-doo. Five minutes after we left from the dinner table, my phone rang. I can't stand him. I'm like, what happened to pookie-wookie-woo-woo? He didn't do what you said he needed to do. And I was like, what did you do? She didn't do anything I told her she needed to do either. And so there's a communication breakdown because somebody forgot. He got up! And if it's just you and the person next to you and that's all you got, you like two ticks without a dog. Look at the person next to you. If that's it, you need extra. Okay, I can't talk about y'all. Let me talk about me. I went home from preaching here last Sunday to Arlington, Texas, and I stepped into my house and greeted my wife. Baby, I'm home, chocolate thunder. <laughs> All of this is here for you, girl. You know what my wife said? What else you got? <laughs> I know y'all are shocked and amazed because if you got all of this, what else you need? She was like, uh, <laughs> extra. It's got to be more. And God is saying he is the superglue. He's the anecdote. He is the gospel. He is your way maker, mind regulator, bridge over troubled waters, prince of peace. Come to him, everybody, this Sunday who's weary and heavy laden. He's going to bless your socks. You're looking down, I got flip-flops, no socks already. He's going to knock you off your feet for his renown and for his glory so literally, seriously, practically, you need to know he's the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He got up. Chris Tomlin wrote about it. Jesus Messiah. Borrowing from scripture, this author of psalm, this psalmist in his own right, he pins he became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Who was it? How can it be? It's love so amazing. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, precious redeemer, Emmanuel. Shout Emmanuel. Here's what it means. God with isn't that good? That's good news. But he's in the room, and he's cascading down every row, and he will visit every seat. If you will let go, let him have his way. Emmanuel, God with us. That God who thought it not robbery to come in the form of a servant in the likeness of man. It's amazing grace. It's a sweet sound that saves a wretch like me. I was lost, y'all, but now I'm found. It's no longer a secret. Why are you so loud? Because I'm passionate about being found by the Messiah who saved me 
from myself. Anybody got an enemy with enemy? You don't even need an opponent. All you have to do is roll out of bed and look at you in the mirror, and you're your own worst enemy. God said, bring that to me, because that's where the problem starts. And if you seriously, literally, practically recognize that he is Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all, God approves of that message. It's a Luke 24, 1 through 12 dynamic. And since I know he got up, and I know why he got up was to get up in me for his glory, not for my attaboy, not for my applause. He's risen in me for his own renown, for his own glory, so the world will recognize him. Now, I got to do something about that. Every now and then, I preach it, and I, I, I think I'm done. I'll get from here on a plane, and I've already shared in three services. You think I want to tell anybody anything else? I already did it. I let it all out and left it on the pulpit and in the vernacular of sports on the field. And on a plane, I'll sit back, and like many of you right now, I want to greet Reverend Pillows at Bedside Baptist. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, some of y'all, I'm looking at y'all, and I've seen a few yawns, repent. Yeah, so on a plane, I'm done. Stick a fork in me, done. And someone next to me will elbow, and I'm like, yes, what do you do? No longer can I keep it to myself. No longer is it the best kept secret in town. I got to let them know my testimony. Don't want to, but it's my assignment. It's who I am and not just what I do. And so I'll tell them I'm in love with a man. Hours of conversation. And it's not this. It's all about the worship and lifting God in spirit and in truth and letting the world know my Redeemer liveth because he liveth in me. He's risen. And he's called us to walk according to his principle, his will, and his way. So here's what we do with the message. Three things, and then I got to get out of your way. Number one, believe it. Say believe it. Help me preach. Number two, receive it. Tell your neighbor, receive it. Number three, here's what you do. Spread it. There you go. I didn't even tell y'all to do anything. Y'all did it right there. Yeah. It ought to be as contagious as a yawn. Just saying the word. Some of y'all, I ain't going to do it just because you said it and you're going to point me out. Yes, I will. And invite you to the altar because you yawn on brother. <laughs> In fact, I got some Shelby Crossings folk where I once pastored strategically placed. So if y'all talk about me, I'll know after service. Here's the deal. Your life ought to be as contagious as a yawn. That everybody around you, once they see your activity, you lift holy hands and announce, I am in a state of emergency and have the right to remain silent and I'm under arrest by the king. Then someone next to you starts to lift hands. They don't even realize why they're doing it. But your worship becomes contagious because you know the risen Savior who is in the world today and he's more than life to you. And in so being, you got to believe, you got to receive, and then you got to spread what should never be kept secret. He got up. And believe it. He got up. Receive it. He got up. Somebody yawning right now. Spread it. You could believe in someone and not follow them. Did you know that? That's why I'm telling you you got to receive. Because if you believe, pastor is pastor and he's got a vision, but I ain't following. Y'all know some folk at the, like, not at this church, but other folk who have a leader that they're not really following. You ever seen that in a house situation? I'm the man. I wear the pants in my family. I'm the husband of the house. And your wife like, whatever. 
I ain't trying to get behind what you're talking about, mister. Yeah. You ever seen somebody believe in a presidential situation but don't want to follow whatever is? That's a whole other sermon. Let me come back to where I'm telling you. You've got to do something about the word of God. You're not to be hearers only, but doers. What do I do? Believe it. And not in the way we've said of, oh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's very cocky and pious and arrogant of us because the truth is God said it, that settles it, whether you and I believe it or not. We ought to be on board because only what we do for Christ is going to last. And he got up so that we could spread the news. How do you spread it, preacher? Here it is. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Will you join me? It's the best kept secret in town. It ought not be because when you get on the mission field like Pastor Randy Gunter, who's pastor of this church, Meadowbrook, in Africa, is that the only place mission field? No, no, no. There's more. The mission field ought to be your front porch. Somebody, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Have you seen your neighbors? You don't have to go far to the mission field. It ought to be the front porch of your house, letting the light shine. Men see your good works, and they glorify God in heaven. Or would your neighbor be shocked you came to church? You went where? I went to church. You? Because they know how you act and what you do Friday and Saturday night and how Sunday is a mystery that you would be in anybody's house of God. Ought not be that way, but for many it is. So your front porch ought to be the mission field. And before you get to the porch, your kitchen table. Because from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, from the Didache, that which was the ancient rite of passage for those of Hebraic establishment and foundation, for you to know the written will and word of God, it was the responsibility of the family to train a child in the way he or she should go. Write it on the doorpost. Say it in the heartbeat. Announce it in going out and coming in. Who I am and whose I am. I am a child of Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides all good and perfect gifts. Your kitchen table ought to be the place where that is rehearsed. But before you get to the kitchen table, you ought to share it at your bedside. Anybody have to rely on Jehovah Jireh? That's coffee. In order to get a kickstart? Or do you have Jehovah alone? How many have to use their alarm to hit it 72 times before you actually get up and roll out? God is saying, I touched you with a finger of pity, whether you had an alarm or not, and woke you to a day not promised, so that today is the day that you can decide that I have made. You will be glad in it. The word is challenging me because I must know that at my bedside, I have to preach to myself, he got up. Now get up, preacher. And go share it with the world and show it in your attitude as well as your action steps. Because we can be like children told to apologize to each other. You ever told them, apologize to yourself, I'm sorry. Hey, y'all need to go and spread the good news. Jesus is real. And that's not genuine. That's not sincere. That is duty. And God is saying, I want you to be so passionately head over heels in love with me, you'll announce to the world that we are an item together and you're no longer on the market. That's what my wedding ring says. 
I'm off the market. Sorry, y'all. I belong to one. And that is for Keats, till death do us part. Now, every now and then, she'll sharpen knives. You come in here late. <laughs> She's trying to help God. That's another sermon. <laughs> but here in the word, I see that God is calling us to mission field, porch, kitchen, bedside to announce he got up from the grave. And here it is. He is Lord. Not just Savior. He's both Savior and Lord of what? Lord over my fear. Lord over my shame. Lord over my church anger. Anybody ever mad at church? Get beside yourself and you shake a fist because things didn't go according to your way when all along it was your way. All right, you, you need a Lord over your guilt. Right now you're struggling with some stuff that is out of the pages of your past and God says, I'm the quicker picker upper. I will cleanse you and wipe away all that the enemy will use for evil and turn it around for the good of them who love me. He got up to be Lord over your depression, Lord over your anxiety, Lord over your disorder, Lord over your abandonment, your rejection and death. He's Lord of all. So preaching one-on-one helps me here because he who truly knows how to preach must have first preached the word to himself. That's Watchman Nee. And I give you a dead theologian because many of us hear better from dead people. I'm alive and well preaching at you. And you're like, well, uh, but a dead person, really? I hear dead people. And Watchman Nee says, he who truly knows how to preach must have first preached to him and herself this word. Here's the translation. Practice what you preach. Anybody? Better coach than player? You can tell everybody else, do two flips, run back, you'll be fine. And then God is tapping you on the shoulder. Okay, don't look at me like y'all looking at me. Right? I do this to my children. Clean your room. They're like, excuse me, clean your room. Well, Father, we want to pray about it. <laughs> and have a vigil on cleanliness. And then on the seventh Sunday, we will come back and we will do as thou hast bid us you know what I say to my kids while you're praying and doing the vigil? Clean your room! <laughs> and you know what God is doing? Tap me on the shoulder. Hold on, I'm trying to train these kids who act just like their mama's side of the family what they need to do <laughs> to live holy. You taught me in your word that they need to know how to walk circumspect on the straight and narrow pathway. Of God taps me on the shoulder. I'm a good coach. You know what he's saying? Will you be a player? When are you going to clean your room? <laughs> You ever been hit by God? Just like, ha, ha. And you're like, okay, God, that wasn't fair, but I get it. Practice what you preach. And then there's no excuse as to how it's supposed to look when you've showcased that God is serious about what he's telling us. Rehearse the message with yourself that he got up to announce his word is true, and he himself is the truth that sets men free, and whom the Son has set free. He is free indeed. No longer bound. No more chains holding me. My soul is anchored. My heart is blessed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Set free. When I have that, I understand why I do this secret sharing of good news. Here's why. Because it's good news. 
You thought I was going to get real super deep. But depth is in simplicity. Now, we can quote Leviticus together. I can meet you after class and diagram sentences and parse verbs and teach you some Hebraic stuff and Aramaic and some Greek. But God is not impressed. I could quote to you the books of the Bible, Genesis, Ex, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1st, 6 Samuel, 1st, 6 King. But Satan knows the books of the Bible. God wants to know where you live, one verse. Will you be my representative in all aspects of your life, starting at the house, so the world will know that in this simplistic charge to keep, why do this secret sharing good news? Because it's good news and the world is hungry for it. Watchman Nee adds, it takes a truly dead man, emptied of self-reliance, to preach a truly risen savior who rose from an empty tomb. I'll say it again for the C personalities. Slow that down, push pause, rewind. Here we go, Watchman Nee. It takes a truly dead man, emptied of self-reliance, to preach a truly risen savior who rose from an empty tomb. I don't just say that at you. Three years ago, I went to the Holy Land for myself. You're looking at a drug baby. I was drugged to church all my life. But not just that. I've been preaching since the age of 18. September 9th is my birthday. So when you heard Josh say, greet somebody who shares the birthday month, I'm just letting y'all know. I had extra small shirt if you want to just bless a brother after service. It'll be the halter look, but you know. It'll increase Sunday attendance back <laughs> September 9th. So that means at age 18 to the present, 30 years I have been declaring what thus said the Lord in preaching. But in that, I likewise had to go and see for myself. Like Luke 24, I didn't want it to be hearsay. I didn't want, I'm like Peter, I ran to that place. The stone was rolled away. I went in to see the linen cloth. I went in to see where they laid my Savior. I went to the place of the skull, up Golgotha, to that place of Calvary, where they said, this is the location. And I looked at the map, and I looked at the scripture, and I understood that I need every word that the Lord has declared from Genesis to maps. I got maps at the back of my body. I need it all. And when I walked in the tomb, and I surveyed the atmosphere, Come here, can I tell you what I'm, He got up! He ain't in there. The tomb is empty and the throne is occupied and Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father, Harvey, ever making intercession on behalf of you and me. And he wants you to be a part of his great plan. And it takes a death sentence. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, Through Paul, I affirm by boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I have to die daily so I get out of God's way. And if you don't like 1 Corinthians, Galatians 2, 20 says it. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We got to die to get out of God's way. And today is a good Sunday to choose who you're going to serve and what evidence will there be that you were in the worship of that one who died for you. As our leader of worship comes to this stage, here's the challenge and invitation. It reminds me of the story of the pretzel. 
and how it came to pass in 600 A.D. Now, it may be mythological, but I love the application. Pretzel. That was a monk in 600 A.D. preparing the bread for communion, for Eucharist, for Lord's table. And he had this bread that he doughed and rolled and prepared, but it had extra layers of dough that weren't used. He baked the bread, put it on the table. But what did he do with the extra dough? He twisted it up in a knot and made it what we now know to be the pretzel. And as the story goes, have you ever looked at a pretzel? I had one on the plane sitting next to the guy that asked, what do you do? It has three holes, one for the father, one for the son. Look at it, but you'll never look at a pretzel the same way. One for the Holy Spirit. And as the monk prepared these extra little dough pieces, he twisted it up in a knot, handed it to the children. Why? Because it was symbolic of the posture of how they prayed in 600 A.D. In the very image of death. Have you ever seen a casket? Casket ready is how you need to look. So when someone approaches you today and says, you ain't nothing, you ain't going to amount to nothing, well, there's no way that you're going to be anything, why do you think... you? That's all you have to do is just assume the death position. And you know what they'll do? They'll moonwalk away from your little situation. Can you imagine? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, and the next time you do, they're like, cray-cray, I'm out of here. And that's all you need because you don't need to take matters in your own hand. When he got up to take the matter on his own shoulders and to deliver you from all hurt, harm, and danger, assume the death position. Get casket ready. Remember a pretzel. And today, in prayer, God wants you to know the deception comes in the closest to the truth you are in life. Doesn't mean you always commit to it. And in the same deception, many believe you can do life without Jesus. But that life is counterfeit. You ever notice? Without him, there's no genuine sustenance. With him, all things become brand new. He got up so that you would have life and life more abundantly. I know you need it. If somebody here today recognizes you can't live life without him, that's the deception that you can. The truth can't. But with him, you can do all things because Christ wants to strengthen you today. What now, preacher? Two kind of people are here today. Those who are saved and those who are about to be. Which one are you? If you cannot with earnest humility and honesty say, I'm saved. You need to make your relationship right with God because otherwise you're hiding behind the best kept secret internal. And he's coming from glory asking, come out, come out, wherever you are. So at invitation, leadership is going to be at this altar and they want to pray with you. Prayer cards were handed out to put in the offering bucket, but if you got a need, you can't wait till tomorrow afternoon for somebody to intercede for you. Today is a good day to come out of your row, step over people who will never move, get to the altar, 
bend the knee and have someone cover you in the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous that knows a risen Savior who's in the world today to give you sweet relief and peace that surpasses your earthly understanding. Why wait when he got up for you today to find liberty that is totally supernatural on your behalf?